All right, welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub. As always, I'd like to start off by thanking all the listeners, all the YouTube subscribers. You guys are the absolute best, especially the Patreon subscribers. I just dropped a really cool Patreon, everyone, in which I toured the neighborhood park in Chicago that I grew up in. Just kind of walked around, showed people uh, the cool park I grew up in. It's called Portage Park in Chicago. So definitely, uh, if you're not on the Patreon, you could get on that for as little as $3 a month. If you're in the $9 a month tier, you get an executive producer. Do I say co-producer? A co-producer credit on all of the podcast clips that go on YouTube. So that's pretty cool. Definitely check that out. Now, I'm very, very excited for the guest today. Someone I've known since I started stand-up comedy Actually, she was on the first ever booked show I did in comedy, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that among other things. Uh, a comedian, a writer, a producer, an actress. She's done it all. Everyone, welcome to the podcast, the one and only Renee Gautier. What's up, Renee? Hello. Yeah, How are you? Yeah. I'm good. For everyone watching good. on YouTube, this isn't my typical background. I'm in a hotel. I'm in a Sheridan <laughs> Uh, in a suburb of St. Louis, I'm performing at the St. Louis Funny Bone this weekend. And let me ask you this, Renee. I'm just going to launch right into this one for you. Mm-hmm. Why is it that the so-called really nice hotels don't give you free breakfast? What the hell's that about? I don't know. I've never been to one that doesn't give breakfast. You didn't get a little card to fill out? No, I didn't get anything like that. But I've, I've really noticed in my travels that if it's fancy, like a Sheridan or a Hilton or something – you're not getting a complimentary free breakfast. But if you're at like a freaking day's in, you're going to get some eggs and, and pancakes. Best Western has some pretty good, has a pretty good uh, free breakfast every morning. They do. I really, you know, yeah. I don't know. I just think there's something overrated about these fancy hotels. They go, oh, we have a conference room. Who the fuck doesn't have a laptop now? <laughs> you know, I don't give yeah. a shit. Get rid of the computers. Also, yeah. Get rid of your. But they have a conference room. Conference room is for like if you have a multiple people, you need to have a, a conversation with, not in your hotel room. Yeah, I I guess, but in my head, I'm just like the business thing. It used to be for people oh, yeah. who didn't have their own Mac or their own PC or whatever, and they would need to go check AOL or something like that. That's what I remember doing, like on a family vacation when I was 14. <laughs> but nowadays, everyone has the email on their phone. I'm saying if you're a fancy hotel manager and you're listening to this podcast, which I'm sure you are, do yourself a favor, 100%. right? At the next meeting, eliminate the whole business center and get everyone some some cereal, something, you know, because I'm trying to budget here and I have to pay I have to do three meals on the road because also there's no microwave in my fucking hotel room. And I bought these little microwavable, microwavable meals to save wow. a few bucks. Gone. No, I mean, no microwave. What am I going to do? I, wait. So you bring your own meals? I, look, I'm trying to be – this is my first time doing a road gig in over a year. And I almost want to go run to my backpack and show you these on camera. They're from like a town in um, California. I want to say like Yorba Linda or something like that. And they're like vegan. And I've had them before. I found them at Aldi. Right, Aldi. Shout, shout out to Aldi. And they they only take a minute to microwave, and they're really delicious. It's like a Chipotle vegan Chipotle bowl, and this other one was like a new stew thing. I was looking forward to a Southwest stew, and a minute in the microwave and a whole meal, and you feel full and you feel strong because it's it's like healthy food. I think. Are you a vegan? No, but I'd like to be. 
I always okay, think it'd be so great if I were, you know, because every now and then I see like a video where it's like, hey, here's a cow and a dog playing together. And I'm like, oh, yeah. man, why do I want to eat that cow so badly? But if someone wanted to eat the dog, I'd, I'd, I'd hate them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I think my favorite part of this whole thing is that you were looking for the stew. You're like, oh, there was one I was really looking forward to. And now I don't have a microwave. I bet you there's a microwave downstairs. Yeah, I got to check that. And this whole podcast, everyone listening, is not going to be about my hotel room situation. Okay, we will we will pivot. Um, Renee, as I mentioned in her intro, was on the first stand-up comedy show I ever got booked to perform. Uh, the producer of that show probably couldn't produce shows in today's climate <laughs> and rightfully so probably. Um, that's a whole nother thing. He was a registered sex offender, everyone. And it was known, but, uh, you had a really, I remember you had a, a great set. My oh, now you. wife who you're friends with and my older yeah. sister were at the show. They freaking loved you. Oh my God. That, that's all I want. Of course. That's all and, I need. You had a joke about how your car, you had like a certain door. What kind of car was it again? I had a three-door Saturn. And I and I would joke that like <laughs> it was it was it was a the most standard model of a three-door Saturn, but I would like jokingly throw my keys to a ballet guy and go park it where I could fucking see it. <laughs> it's just like the worst. It was plastic, but I loved it. And it got killed one Christmas Eve while I was in Chicago. It was parked in LA on my block and it got murdered by another car. I had my friend of mine had his car on Oak Park, not too far from where you grew up. Like he was like near Oak Park. And I want to say like close to Elwood Park. It was like the Galewood neighborhood in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And um, he had, what was it? I think he got in trouble because the night, the night before, he got so drunk. He wasn't driving, but he got so drunk that we just kind of abandoned him on his own porch. We couldn't make <laughs> him move. We couldn't get his feet going. And we were like high school age, I want to say. I, maybe it was like summer after we graduated, but he was- whoa, 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 You couldn't get his feet going? Like he literally was so drunk, we were dragging him. And we're like, dude, you got to stand a little bit. I don't know why I just pictured he turned into a wax figure. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, we couldn't get it. He couldn't move. We couldn't get it. He's just like- <laughs> that, that pretty much he became like a mannequin and we just and i'm like we got to try to get him in his house and into his bed so his parents don't find him like this and all that and he had a psycho german shepherd dog that was the worst and you know you and i are dog lovers but this dog you'd be like no fuck that creature um yeah. and so we're just like all right whatever we'll just put him on the porch and hey we tried he got grounded and so he couldn't go out the next night his car's parked on oak park and at about 11 p.m., I think, I think it was a Saturday because it was Friday. It was the day before. He was too drunk. A drunk driver smashed into his car and ruined it. He then blamed us because he said if we would have gotten him into his house or better yet, let, it, let him sleep over at one of our houses, he wouldn't have gotten grounded and he would have been out that night and his car would have been parked there. Yeah. It's like, dude, the mental gymnastics to just <laughs> be like, maybe I should have gotten that drunk where I couldn't move my feet. It sounds like a guy I dated in high school. They just blame everything on everyone else. It didn't do anything wrong. It's always now, my fault. This... He didn't win the baseball game. Oh man, that <laughs> that was before they had the term gaslighting. Yes, he was a natural though. He was a natural. <laughs> what do you think about that term gaslighting? I don't really think about. It. I I think people uh, first. I think it it it's a hot button term, right? 
uh, that and trigger yeah. all seem to go together. Um, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, don't we all gaslight a little bit? That's my thing. And I think some people are terrible with it and it should be called out. But I, I, I think we're on the same page where sometimes these words become buzzwords and then they get overused to the mm-hmm. point where it's like, that wasn't really gaslighting. I feel like, I feel like someone had to double back and explain to you, you know? Um, yeah. Just how, what, how else was I going to get you to go to red lobster with me? That's not gaslighting. That's a yeah. good salesmanship. <laughs> Sometimes it should be in a relationship, it. right? Yeah. You told me you wanted to go. I did. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I actually had someone tell me when I, before I got married, here's the trick every now and then, even if it's something you want to do, make it seem like you're only doing it because she wants you to do it. That way later you could be like, Hey, remember that thing? I did that for you. Now, will you do this yeah. for me? But you, you, I really wanted to do that thing. And I'm like, man, it doesn't have to be this weird fucking head game from day one. That's why I'm not married. I can't do it. That's, I that's why you're it. smart. And that's why you look like you're 21. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. You Thank do you. Renee. If I can Thank compliment you. you. I, Thank you. You. I feel like <laughs> we're friends enough where I could give off this compliment, but you can, and I appreciate it. No, I think the last time I saw you was Megan Gailey and CJ Taldano's wedding. I think mm-hmm. I've had a lot of guests on this podcast where the last time I saw them was Megan Gailey and CJ Taldano's wedding. Oh, and, you came uh, into town. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was the last time you could really yeah. do anything. Yeah. But, uh, you came up and I remember being like Renee Gautier and Julie Louis Dreyfus are two women I know who look better at their current age than they did 15 years ago. Thank I mean, you. that is a great compliment. I feel that way. You ever think about that with Julia Louis-Dreyfus though? I, I watch Seinfeld reruns all the time and she looks better now. She looks way better in Veep than she does in early Seinfeld. I agree with you. I agree a hundred percent. It's something about you coming into your own and some people, some people start to figure out exactly how they feel good like and how they look. And some people try too hard to go the other way. That's no, I think you're right. That's a very good point. Yeah. So I feel very grateful that I have good genes, good Italian genes. As the Putterbow sisters say, olive oil, don't spoil. <laughs> I never heard that that's, one. I like that one. That's what they say to me every time I see them. They go, girl, olive oil don't spoil. You look amazing. I was like, you're so nice, ladies. We're all Italian. So it's a compliment for them, too. It is. Well, you are super <laughs> yeah. confident. I, I always uh, feel that about you. Like, or you're looking at me like, maybe I'm not. Um, but I feel no, like, well, I feel like you're always busy. You're always working on something. Um but maybe that's part of it. You you get comfortable being your own person and you're comfortable in your own skin and that that radiates. And but I do feel like you're always kind of working on different stuff like that. Um, you've been a producer on a lot of shows. I remember I when I was working as an extra on the CBS lot, I got to walk by and sometimes, you know, pop into your office. On, uh-huh. um, do you still have the same office? Oh, no, no, no. Every project you move. So and that was Seinfeld's old office, right? I think you told me that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. With the French double for, doors? Yes, the French double doors. Yeah. Yes. On the CBS lot, everyone, while you were working on a lip sync battle. Mm-hmm. What was that three. like? Oh, season three. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I was a writer and a producer on that. And usually when just 
so people understand like how television works, which yeah, I Yeah, because know. nobody knows what a producer, not to cut you off, but the average no. person, if you say I'm a producer, they go, what is that? Because I was a well, segment producer on Ridiculousness for a little bit and I've had to explain, I'm like, oh, well, I had to look up the creepy videos and the weirdo videos. That was like my task. But like, you know, it's different on every show. But yeah, I mean, what does a producer on Lip Sync Battle do? So producer's a writer. So, so I was a consulting producer. So if you are, the truth is, is I was, I did a lot of the creative and I was Chrissy Teigen's writer. So my title on that show didn't really reflect my job, which uh, is mostly because when it's a non-union show and by non-union, I mean not WGA, so not Writers Guild, the the way to portray to other people that you are the writer on this show is consulting producer. I so, see. you know, it usually, and, and I, and actually being a producer on a non-union show gives you way more skills than I think most people realize as a writer when you get on a WGA show because you know how to produce the person you're writing for. Like you learn how to, um, some might call it gaslighting. Um, so <laughs> you, <laughs> so so that's, that's on Lip Sync Battle, I, I, I came up, I was um, one of the people that was heading up like, uh, pitching all the ideas to a celebrity, pitching them to the executive producers, executing them with the choreographer and the art department, comedically writing out all the beats, selecting songs. Um, and then I would do props and writing for Chrissy Teigen when she was commentating. Fun. Yeah, it was my favorite job because I used to be a dancer. So music, dancing, comedy, like my whole life I would listen to a song, no joke. I would listen to a song and envision how I was going to do a music video to the song, what the storyline was and how it was going to be funny and weird. And I was the star of course, and all those, but that's how my brain always worked. And then lip sync battle showed up. I was also a writer on ridiculousness and they were also called producers. Yeah. So everyone listening, when you're watching the end credits of a TV show and you see like co-producer or whatever producer, they're usually one of the writers um, mm -hmm. because consulting. each episode, yeah, consulting producer is a big one. You're right. Mm -hmm. Every episode of a show will pretty much only have like one writer or, you know, sometimes they'll say like teleplay by or story by, but if it's written by Joe Kilgallen and then you see a bunch of other names as producers, those are the rest of the writing staff who probably did contribute jokes and beats and all that kind of stuff and helped the premise. But they usually just, whoever, I don't know how they divvy it because I've heard some, I've, I've listened to podcasts where they're like, oh, I wrote that scene, that scene, and that scene. And I'm like, well, why didn't you get a co-writing credit on it? I think they, maybe whoever comes up with the original story, they get the main writing credit to. Um, well, so in a WGA world, they're um, assigned an episode. So no matter what, if you weren't assigned that episode, you're not credited as the writer of that episode, uh, right? Okay. So so that's that. And then also like um, most of the time, Ridiculousness didn't have a writer and then consulting producer. It was all consulting producers. Um, there's no writer title there. And then Lip Sync Battle, there was one writer for LL Cool J who was the only person who was WGA. Gotcha. So yeah, with ridiculousness, everyone, which is still, I think it's still running on MTV. Hundred percent. Is it definitely right? Hundred percent. So as a segment producer, what I was doing was writers like yourself, because I remember knowing a few of them, you know, which was kind of cool. They yeah. would say, "All right, here's because you guys, whoever the guest was, um, 
can't remember. I can't think of any guest names off the top of my head. I know Brooks Whelan was a guest once. He's a friend of ours. I, I put that episode together with everybody. I was on that. Were you oh, there awesome. when I was there? No, we weren't there at the same time. No. Um, I think what you're trying to convey is that like we would we would get a list of celebrities and then we would be like, okay, let's research the celebrity, which let me just say that having my first writing job on ridiculousness really gave me a lot of skills to kind of like do a bunch of other shows in a smart way. Cause you basically just research all the pop culture, all the history around this one person. And then we would build packages like, you know, Chrissy Teigen's episode was uh, she was a model. So we did runway fails. Like we would name it cutely, obviously, you know, but um, and then you'd go, you'd go to the segment producer and you go, Hey, we need videos with like models falling through like at a runway show. And then and I then would scan the internet for models falling down, but they couldn't look too obvious. They had, you know, there was some guidance you had to have to it. I remember one, I wish I remember the, I think it was an actress. Couldn't have been that big though. Maybe she was like the third lead on a CW show. I'm not sure. No, no disrespect to her. It I just can't remember her name. Yeah. And they had, the segment was like random clowns. Cause she dressed like a clown to a concert. And that was like yeah. on her Instagram. So we had to find like out of place clowns. Yeah. And it was a nightmare to find. Every one of the segment producers were like, this sucks. Okay. I want to go yeah. tell the writers this is dog shit because we just couldn't find any that weren't obvious. There was like one more clown yeah. came out of a porta potty where they're like, perfect, more like that. And we're like, that was a miracle. And the rest of them, they kept going too obvious, too obvious. I'm like, well, what do you want us to do? We can't just make them up. It's hard. It's a, but don't you know how to search things now? It's pretty incredible. Like you, it, you it, know it how to so much, so much. And you know what? On the writers' room wall, when I was there, I know it changed a little bit when I, you know, after. Um, sorry, there's a children's hospital helicopter hovering. I like to say that because that means they're delivering the organs to the babies. Are you still um, in the same apartment? Yeah, the house. I'm yeah. not gonna say it on the air, but I remember liking it. You had a cool uh, little <laughs> courtyard in the back there. Thank you. I built a deck this pandemic. So didn't I sell you that grill for like 50 bucks? I hope it worked out. Okay. It did, but it did die. So it's gone. Bye-bye. But I did buy a really nice Kenmore. It's white and silver. It's really cute. It's a good investment. We finally sprung for a good grill last summer and it's the best. Yeah. It's so great. But your, your grill got a lot of love and a lot of, a lot of meats on it. Um, what I was going Sorry, to say, back so to the, what yeah, well, what happens is you write, it's basically a pun factory. And and I remember Christian DeGay at the time, who was an executive producer, uh, who's an amazing comic and he was on Mad TV and he's just really smart and funny. We would just, he would be like, stop using puns. And we're like, we really can't. Like, it just became, so on the wall, there were a bunch of funny titles with no clips, right? So we would we would accumulate like hundreds and then we'd get someone in like, you know, Michael B. Jordan. And then we'd be like, Oh, great. Basketball fails. It'd be like, you know, balls in my face or like, you know what I mean? And then it became, how do we twist this to be balls in people's actual faces? And it'd be like getting hit in the face with balls. <laughs> Always a classic and though. And that's when you guys, I remember I was just telling someone, I just worked on a show where I, I was working with Cheryl Hines from Curb Your Enthusiasm and She's friends with Shane Nickerson, who is a creator of Ridiculousness with Rob Jerdick and the EP of Super Jacket. And he was like, she, she, they know each other. But I was telling her, 
that that was the first job where like I actually said these words and I didn't think it was crazy. It was like, part, I knew I was in it when I said this. We were looking at a clip and I go, I think we got to sweeten that fart. And it was the most serious I've ever been. It was about television. No one's going to hear it if we don't sweeten it. Yeah. I th- people yeah. need to realize too, when you hear a fart on TV, that's not like, there's a lot that goes into that fart. There are perf- Uh-oh, you froze. Lost you. Renee, you're frozen. Oh, there you go. You're frozen. You were frozen. Oh. All right, we're back. Sorry. Am Again, I everyone, I, okay. the, the Wi-Fi at the Sheridan fucking sucks. Um, I shouldn't be yelling. It's late here. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really funny that we both froze on a <laughs> fart face. Right? It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> So, uh, Renee, you started comedy in Chicago. Um, Mm -hmm. You were part of Spitfire, which was an (laughs) all-female comedy collective. Mm -hmm. And I want to give you guys kudos because it feels like all the – not anymore, but there was a stretch. You guys weren't part of that because Spitfire is a cool name. But there was a stretch where every all-female show in America had some pun about, like, that show of the month or it's, you know – the vagina hours or haha funnies or, you know, ladies can be funny too. And it was just like, Oh my God, that felt more sexist to me. Let me say this. You were talking about Dave odd, who was the producer of the first show we ever did together. Yes. And, um, honestly, you know, you, aside from, he probably should have been running shows then, but, uh, he named all his shows. Ha 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 hot hotties. Or like uh, hotties, yeah, yeah, like shit, like that. And I remember when we were coming up with a name for ours because the truth was, as one guy, there was there was one girl to every show, right? There was always just one slot for one female comedian at the time. And we were like, what if we just created our own? It basically was just our show, um, and we created our own, and we let one guy do a set, you know, and like just do our shit. And we know none of us because of Dave odd shows, none of us wanted to name it anything with like a cute little like vaginal hour or whatever the fuck that was. Yeah. But like spitfire was just a way of saying like, you know, hot fire. And that's, we just wanted it to be like for hot girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool name though. I like that spitfire yeah. though. It's Thank got a ring to it. So many, this is a little inside for the listeners, but so many stand up comedy shows have it just bad names. I feel like, Mm -hmm. um, but luckily Spitfire Chicago had some good ones. Chicago underground comedy is a really cool name. That was a collective you were part of, um, Mm -hmm. Lincoln lodge. Honestly, I'm doing it next weekend. They're reopening. I never really liked that name. Well, you know why it was called Lincoln lodge because it was at the Lincoln restaurant and they haven't been there for seven or eight years now. So the name, they they already had the brand. So I get why they're keeping it, but I like, the back was also a lodge. Like it, it was a, at one time, it was a like a Flintstone style men's lodge. Oh, see, I didn't know that. So that's that was that. Yeah, I Unless think the I'm reason wrong. I don't like a name like Lincoln, I like they need to have the word comedy in the title. I feel like why? Just to let random people know. I think that you was where I was know? coming from when I started stand up. I had no connection to the world of like 
performance art. I wasn't creating music videos in my head like you were. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was yeah, creative, there. but I didn't, I wasn't in that community. So when I started doing stand up in Chicago, I noticed so many shows didn't have the word comedy in the title. I remember thinking, and they were poorly attended shows. They were shows that would get like seven people and they were friends of someone. And it was just, they weren't very fun. It became like hangouts. The hangouts were fun. Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking like, you need the word, something that tells the, a random person that it's a comedy show. Um, That's fair. <laughs> that was just my That's thought fair. fair, but, but you, your show was called Spitfire Comedy. The word comedy was in Spitfire. Wasn't it or no? Well, I don't think so. <laughs> Oh God, I just totally insulted you. That's what I do. I have guests no, on and I tell them they fucked up been. 12 years ago or 15. I don't even know. It, how might, long it might, it might have had Spitfire comedy in it. You're, you might be right. I, I don't remember because we never really, I just don't remember. <laughs> That's how near and dear to my heart it was, even though we all came together to make it together and, uh, and it was cool, but I just don't remember it. I don't you remember know, comedy. I, I have a weird memory where, I'm only remembering this stuff because, and I'd even think to bring up that you were on the first show I ever got booked for until I started to do your intro in the beginning yeah. of this podcast. And it's starting to make my brain go back to all sorts of weird stuff. Did you, I'm going to feel like an idiot now, if I'm wrong. Did you have no. a joke about bumping into a guy at a blockbuster and just the sound of his voice made your vagina shut? Yeah, I did. That was you, right? Yeah, that was a funny joke. Oh my god, thank you. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, because it was, it was, uh, oh my god, I can't believe it's Rene Godier. It's a guy I went to high school with, who every time I would run into him, like everywhere we ran into each other, the place would close three days later, and that's how I knew he wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah. So, because the blockbuster closed right by our house, it was like, oh my God, Madagascar, I love them animals. Like, it was just a way to do it. And, you know, Josh Cheney still comes up to me and goes, oh my God, Rene Godier. Like, he still does it. It's all these people we came up together. We were such a tight knit group at the time. And it's like, sometimes you just identify each other by a joke you remember. Definitely. <laughs> it's crazy. It yeah. And comedians are such assholes. Sometimes we identify each other by jokes that didn't work. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. There's definitely some a fellow Elmwood Park, Illinois person like yourself, Danny Callis, who I've mentioned on this podcast. Get this, Renee. He refuses to do this podcast. He, he's like, I'm not. I don't want to do podcast. He isn't. He just. It's so annoying that he won't do this podcast. Um, he, he hasn't done any podcast though, so at least I feel okay about that. He's like this white whale of a podcast guest. <laughs> He has this joke about Derek Rose, the basketball player, in uh -huh. which, and this was this joke's like seven years old now, but we every comedian okay. gave him shit for because it, it was the stupidest joke ever, and he made it work like once, and ever since that made him think it was a good joke, even though it was mm -hmm. like one for a hundred. So the, yeah. the concept of the joke, Renee, is he wanted there to be like an announcer who would say like Derek Rose Rose, like Rose in the air, and mm -hmm. then what if Derek Rose like had cornrows and then Derek, he wanted a That's situation genius. in which they could say Rose like eight to nine different times in a row. And it was different. It was Rose, the last name, Rose, the flower, Rose of seats. Like it was Rose in the air. Like it was bad and he would keep <laughs> doing it. And it never, and maybe toward the end, people started to chuckle a little bit because they're like, this fucking idiot is really committed to this thing. And we would just always give him shit for it. And it was the most yeah. fun. 
I, I, you have a joke like that. You have to, like, I have a joke that I, 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 it's for me. I don't, and I'll do it. And I know it doesn't work all the time. Like I have one about uh, finding out that my, my, um, I have a half sister I didn't know about. And, and I hate when people say stuff like I used to change your diapers and I'm like, that's fucking creepy. That's like, Oh, you used to look at your baby button pussy. And sometimes Sometimes people laughed and most of the time no one did. And I was like, that's for me. I'm dealing with the fact that I found out I had a half sister. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to tell this joke. I'm going to tell my Derek Rose joke. I know I, ha I have bad jokes like that. that are like jokes that are just for you that everyone else is like, why do you still do that fucking joke? Um, to defy you, to defy you. Well, you know, what's um, crazy. So yeah. I, I had a joke like that. Um, that other comedians would give me a hard time for. It was about, and this was a true story. This really happened to me. There's a Wendy's at Harlem off of Higgins, like, you know, right by the heart um, when you get on the highway in Chicago at Harlem, mm -hmm. I'm sure you're familiar. And I remember getting drive through to get the Wendy's and I got on the highway to go to do a show in Lincoln park. I okay. get off the highway at Fullerton. So while I'm, you know, you eat fries while you drive. And I say in the joke, I'm like, you don't eat a burger while you drive, especially a classic double. That's a big burger. What are you going to be doing this? You know? And every comedian would be like, how does Joe Kilgallen eat a burger? And they just wouldn't <laughs> stop making fun of the stupid burger in the face motion I did. And what kills me is I stopped doing that joke because they made fun of that part. But the rest of the joke was good. So I get off at Fullerton. I then realized I talk about how when I picked up my classic double that I could tell that they had put a bunch of shit on there because I always got a plane. I yeah. said that I could tell by the weight of it that they had fucked it up. I'm like one of those James Bond people where I'm like, I could pick up a gun and tell you how many bullets are in the chamber. Oh, wow. And this is true. <laughs> Renee, yeah. I then tried to go to the Wendy's off of Fullerton and exchange it. I tried to say, hey, I, you guys put stuff on this. I wasn't going to tell them, hey, I got it at a different Wendy's. In my head, I Great. even said in the joke, I like, do they have like a blockbuster return policy? This is how old that <laughs> joke was. We had two blockbuster <laughs> references. You know, where you could return it to any blockbuster as long as they get it back. Yeah. And anyway, so the joke usually did pretty well at that part. Obviously, the middle part was what everyone made fun of me for because it was kind of dumb. There's a comedian now who has a joke about doing it at a McDonald's, about trying to exchange it from different ones. And, I'm, and it kills this comedian. Yeah. He's super funny. He did it at the Laugh Factory the other night, and it destroyed. And, and that kills you. Oh my, that kills you a little. It does because I gave up on the joke. I could have solidified that joke and then maybe he never even attempts his because he would have saw mine and been like oh i can't touch that one but now no, if i bring my old joke back he now wins. you now you're doing his yeah i'm the thief now right is basically right right what i'm getting at. <laughs> how's your I, dog um, by the way yeah she's great she was on bed rest for a couple of weeks because she thinks she's a young stunt woman um she likes to jump off of everything and she's 14 and a half um, and a half. Now tell everyone what kind of breed your dog is. She's a rat terrier chihuahua breed, we think. Uh, she's three-legged, and she's a goddamn angel, and her name is Sugar Poop. Sugar Poop. I always love that. You had a, a line where you talk about my dog daughter, and I think I've yeah, said yeah. that about my own dog, so I definitely stole that from you. Sorry. No, it's <laughs> universal. Once you get one, it just happens. You didn't steal anything. Um. Yeah, I'm coming home on the 15th to the 19th, and I'm dropping Sugar off in Chicago because I'm going to work on a project. So uh, I will be home for a few days. So 
Oh, well, hopefully I'm I can gonna... run into you. I will yeah. Be... Yeah, I'm getting my second shot on Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting my shot when I get to the place I'm doing um, writing on. So I, uh, I, I'm shot free right now. But you're being safe though. You're on a, you know, you're working to where I'm sure you've been tested a few times, right? I've been tested every day since February 1st. So <laughs> what show are you currently I'm, working on right now? I just wrapped a show called I can see your voice, which I was the writer for the panel of comedic, like at celebrities. It was a very nostalgic week. Uh, the host is Ken Jong, but this week, Joe love Ken. I'm going to say this. Guess who was our musical guest? Oh, you said nostalgic. And has to do with my stand-up. Is it Tiffany? Jojo, get out. She did get out. Do you remember my bit where I was like, get out, leave? It would like yes, I remember words. Did you I had to produce her? That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. It was very weird. You're fucking giddy right now. I was fan. I never fan like literally. I'm like the girl who can turn it, whatever. You know, I'm like, we're the same, just in my head to like get through it. She showed up and I was like, hi. I was like, I went to JFL because of you. I was on last call with Kurt. Like, I just, and she goes, what's the bit? And I was like, oh, I just yell words. And she goes, great. I go, so when you go back on tour, I have to open for you. And she goes, yes. And I was like, don't fuck with me, JoJo. So she was cool too. That's the best, right? She was so cool. But I went to voice to men. I know. And it is disappointing. Um, I worked with Boys to Men this last week, Debbie Gibson. Didn't uh, you do a Debbie Gibson song too? Mm -mm. I remember one time seeing you at Chicago Underground Comedy at the Bee Kitchen in Chicago, where I feel like um maybe who sings the song uh running just as fast as we can? I can't sing. Tiffany. Uh, that's Tiffany. That's Tiffany. Okay. Oh my god, I did have a joke about that. You did like a, a dance to it. But like for a reason, right? With Jeff Hansen or something? Because like yeah, I wouldn't. And he was was he coaching you, Jeff Hansen? No. Oh, you're you're talking about Mike Bridenstine and I. Uh, oh. I did. Man, I feel like a woman, and he was my stage dad. And I was like, "Go, let's go, girls!" And he would be like, "Yes." <laughs> he was the stage dad. And it was what a fun oh, time so of funny. comedy. What a fun fucking time of comedy coming up there in Chicago in that era because we no one was consumed yet with Instagrams and posting and doing all this shit. Like we had MySpace and Facebook, I think, was started, but like I don't know, it's just kind of nice, right? Like just a little less vain. <laughs> I I was talking about this the other day that you know. Everyone from that era was the last era to be able to experience what life was like or what comedy was like before it and then coming along with it. I mean, obviously, there are comics who were like big in the 80s who had to go through that, but where, but that it wasn't aimed for them. Like MySpace and Facebook, when it came out, were aimed for you, Renee, and yeah. your friends yeah. and your peers. And, you know, I'm a little bit younger than you, but for me as well, you'd have the college. Yeah. Facebook, you'd have the college uh, email to get a Facebook account for the first like year or two. And it was such yeah. a big deal. and Everyone was so obsessed with it because it was so new. There was nothing like it. MySpace had that top eight where you put your top eight friends and you would move people out all the time. Yeah, it was it was a real war. 
Because you'd be like, I, I remember dating a comic. I was dating a comic at the time. And it was like, oh, sorry, I need to be up there, number one, or we're in trouble. Like, he was number three on mine. I remember hearing two people argue once where it's like, um, why is Mike Birbiglia in your top eight? You don't fucking know him. He's not going to book you to open for him because he's in your top eight. You understand that, right? Have a friend in there. You dipshit. Like, I can't remember who's fighting about it, but that sticks out in my brain. MySpace seemed um, fun in the sense because it just so it got its ass kicked by Facebook. But someone made a good point where they're like, remember Tom from MySpace? He just wanted to be your yeah. friend. He wasn't yeah. launching propaganda campaigns against national elections. He was your first friend, remember? Yes. And you know, remember MySpace, you had a blog. Like you were able to write stuff. And I wrote a thing about Dave Ott, I remember, and he was very hurt by it. <laughs> he called me, he's like, whatever do to you? I'm like, really nothing. You've always been nice. <laughs> like, you know, you brought up that he's like a sex offender and stuff. And I just, I feel I don't feel bad. I'm not trying to sympathize with him for whatever he did. But like, I think there's some people who are on the sex offender list that like literally did something as an 18 year old dated a 17 year old, something went wrong and they're on a sex offender list. So I feel like it's such like a sad thing that we have to lump David with all those innocent sex offenders. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. And I'll, I'll be clear too. And you know, he <laughs> did book me for a lot of stuff when I was starting out and I was very grateful for that stage time. I never had a problem with him personally at all. Um, he was but nice he to me. Some shit. What's that? He did do some shit. No, he did do some shit. I was going to, I was going to clarify that too. Um, I, he, I had asked him about the shit he did and, um, and he told me the shit he did and it was bad shit. Um, he did seem remorseful though, because he said like, I, there was a, I made women in that neighborhood feel unsafe and, and that was horrible. And I have to live with that. Um, yeah, he's unregistered now. I guess he'd only to be registered for X amount of years. So, um, yeah, that's great. And he's got 200,000 TikTok followers because he does animal videos on TikTok. That makes sense. I haven't heard from him in a while. I, I remember uh, when I moved, he said, Renee will be back in three months. Little did he and know. I was like, Why do we have to do this? Who cares? There's just some people Who are cares? just shitty. No, yeah. I know. Um, but I don't dislike him. And to be quite honest, I think there needs to be more of a reform energy going on in this world where it's like when you're a young guy and you do something stupid and I mean, stupid, not criminal. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, something that's like, come the fuck on. I don't mean rapists. Um, if I may, uh, but like, I think there's something to be said, like, let's help this person reform, find the root, evolve, change so that anybody else that comes from him or is with him can also benefit from the change and not being held down the entire time, you know? So being considered this one thing his whole life. So. I love everything you just said. I, I agree. I just, cause I feel like there's so much with Twitter, especially I feel like most of it's Twitter that, everyone wants to be the first to attack someone and, and, you know, cause I think to myself, is that a bad person or did they have a bad moment, which happens? Um, mm -hmm. and also I think we're, I hear cancel culture, but to me, I'll, I'll look at, I'm like, what's the example? They're like, Oh, he's a rapist. I'm like, 
that's not cancel cancel culture. That's convict culture. He needs to be in prison. Right. This is, these are different things we're talking about here. Um, yeah. You're right though. Like you're, we're lumping a lot of weird stuff together. I remember there was a headline where it was like um, Harvey Weinstein, um, this other horrible, legit rapist. And then Al Franken. And I'm like, how is Al Franken in the same headline as the other two? The other two should be in prison for the rest of their lives. Al Franken took some dumb pictures and maybe, you know, called a waitress sugar tits or something. I don't know what the fuck he said, but like, it didn't but the seem girl like the didn't same care. thing. The girl didn't even care in the picture. But yeah. we're, what, we're, what we're doing is we're just exactly lumping everybody together and and using the term rapist like as a casual generalization is bananas to me. It's like, and then it's perpetuated because listen, at the end of the day, a lot of women see something. And I think Eliza Skinner had a whole article about this when TJ Miller stuff came out and the Aziz Ansari stuff came out. And um, and I and it was right on the heels of Harvey. So everyone was trying to find the next one, it felt like. I don't know if you felt that way, but it felt like everyone um, was trying to find the next Me Too guy. Yeah. Like, oh, I have a story to tell. And not that those stories aren't valid, but it's it's like you're triggered by something. So you jump into it to share your story and it may not even be relevant. It's it, 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 and your story is important to hear. Everyone should be able to tell their story. But if you had a bad boyfriend and he happened to be called out raping one person, your bad boyfriend story should not line up with what just happened. Yes, that was something I found very interesting. Not interesting is the right word, but do you remember before it was me too? It was, um, yes, all women. Yes. Yeah. The hashtag was like hashtag. Yes. All women. And I remember, and that, and that was a great hashtag. Me too is a great hashtag too. But I remember reading the, these horrific stories that were just, you know, make your heart hurt stories. And then seeing one where it was like, my boyfriend cheated on me. And I'm like, I mean, that sucks, but how fucking dare you lump that in with everything else? That's not, you can't, you know, she was like, we got to get this guy too. And I'm like, you know, sorry, he did that. He shouldn't have, but you can't tell me that's the same as this, this horrible, violent, you know, life shattering stories. I just read, you know, yeah. Hashtag saying your boyfriend cheated on you. And told you, like there was a thing with a comic who someone wrote a, a blind story, that's the wrong term, a story, like an anonymous story about something that happened with him in college. And the truth is, is a lot of his peers and friends had already known about it because he was pretty honest about it. And then like 10 years later, this story comes out the Harvey on the tail, on the heels of the Harvey Weinstein thing. Um, and it's just interesting because that got released, right? That was, and it looked clearly like it hadn't been researched. Like no one had been asked about it. Like Ronan Farrow was the one who broke the uh, the first Me Too story with Rose McGowan. And he worked four years on vetting these stories before he released it. And once that happened, even though the guy who, from the trip who did R. Kelly, he had been, re- he had been investigating the R. Kelly thing for years trying to tell people there was something going on with these girls. And he worked on that story for years and they all took 
precious time to vet every story because it's an important story to tell. And you don't want to have any room of people going, she's a liar, she's a slut, because that's an unfair thing to do. But if you vet all of it, then that's a that's a journalist job. That's a journalist's job. And so when you have little one-off, we have too many fucking websites anyway, but like that claim they have news. And it's like, they didn't research anything about this one particular guy. They just told the story. Same for the Assis Ansari thing. They just told the story. And it's like, this is a, this is like, I think it's an editorial when it's from someone's point of view, right? Yeah. So yeah, I remember the Aziz Ansari yeah. one was, I knew a lot of women who were like, she's describing a bad day. I mean, it seems like he, he was a little aggressive, but she kind of went along with it until she didn't want to. And then he stopped. Every time she said go. no, he stopped. So it, it's it's an, it's a it's a slippery slope. It's yeah. a weird thing. Everyone has a story, and the thing is, is we're all we're all met where we are. So the girl that went on a date with Aziz Ansari wasn't secure enough or prepared enough to not act those ways. Like we've all been those people where it's like, well, I really want this guy to like me, and even though I'm kind of forcing. Then maybe I like him, but then he's telling me I could leave. But then I'm like, well, maybe I'll suck your dick. Like, that's what it felt like was going on on that date is yeah. that she was a young girl and she was, he didn't force anything on her. That doesn't mean he's not a dick, but we have to be careful. We have to be really careful. I, I think a lot of it's a good thing. No, I, I, I do think yeah. a lot of it's a good thing. Um, it's funny. That was the first story where it made me kind of as a guy go back in my head being like, you know, Hey, Hey, Nicole, <laughs> Hey babe, to my wife. Um, remember that one time you were like, I'm really tired and I kind of talked you into it anyway. My bad. I'm sorry. She's like, what are you talking about? And then I yeah. had to remind myself, Oh wait, you have a job as a nurse. So you don't get caught up in online bullshit. Like I do. Um, and then I she's showed her the story job. and she's like, Hey, anytime that I've said I'm tired, but then you talked me into having sex, I wanted to have sex. Okay. Don't ever think I'm like, all right, all right. Just, you know, it, it, it makes you kind of go over this, which is maybe a good thing. Maybe men do need to reflect more on, on some they of the do. choices and stuff. Um, uh, have you seen promising young woman? I have not yet. I got the screener a week or two ago and I'm dying to see it. Um, it's so good. I'll be honest with you. I didn't like the, the, the trailer pissed me off. Can I tell you why the trailer pissed me off? Go because ahead. it, I feel like it gave it away too much. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but I remember in the, thinking to myself, like, oh, they showed too much in the trailer. I know what it's about. Um, and, but what do you think it's about? Doesn't she like kind of go to like bars, pretend to be drunk, and when the guy goes to take advantage of her, she like fucks him up? Nope. No, it's more to it than that. Because that alone, by the way, is a good premise. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? But it's not. It's it's. It's it's not it's not even a fraction of that. There is a piece of that, but it, she doesn't fuck them up. She just kind of like becomes sober and go, calls them out. I think a lot of it is she wants them to have to think about it and to realize that like I think she's looking for them to go. I'm so sorry. Like you're right. I'm wrong. But it, very few do. But it's pretty great and it's really worth watching. Watch it with Nicole if you can. It's, I watched it with an ex-boyfriend and he was like, holy shit. I was like, what? He's like, this is what girls go through all the time when they, I go, yes, all the time. But it's more than that. It's a really good dark comedy. It's, uh, 
it's really, really good. Like watch it. And then I want to hear what you think. Okay. I'm only saying this out loud. So I remember the line. I'm going to watch it. I, you know, I did a show about it two hours ago. I had a riff about how my, I've, you know, you know, I have two sons, but my friends, sometimes I'll talk to friends who have daughters and they'll be like, dude, you're so lucky you have boys. And I'm just like, why? And they're like daughters, man. It's a whole different slew of problems. And I go, oh yeah. Cause you know, you gotta, you gotta worry about them, you know, walking down the street at night and stuff. And they were like, yeah, I mean, I was thinking more about them becoming strippers, but that's a good point too. And I'm like, okay. I just want to remember that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying on the podcast. Cause I think I could make a whole joke about how really you're worried about them, you know, being independently wealthy as opposed to their own safety because they're right. women. <laughs> right. Like, do you know how talented a good stripper is? Like, I mean, and not even like talented, like core muscle to hang upside down at a goddamn pole. I can barely jump upon one. Okay. It's like serious business. It's impressive. I had an owner of a pole dancing studio in the South Loop of Chicago as a guest. My friend, Caitlin Marco, shout out to Caitlin Marco, uh, fly club. Um, it's called, I think it's flyclubchicago.com. It's a pole dancing studio. And I'm still going to do it, listeners. I'm going to go there and she's going to teach me some stuff. I wanted to like film it for like my YouTube channel, but then, you know, pandemic happened. Um, so, but yeah, no, it's such a skill. And have you ever been to Jumbo's Clown Room in LA? No. Okay. You should go sometime because- I've been to Cheetah's. All right. But people describe Jumbo's Clown Room, it's such a creepy ass name, but as a strip club, you wouldn't be embarrassed to take uh, a significant other two. I've never taken a pole there. But no, because they don't get naked. I mean, they're like right. in lingerie, I think. But it's really cool music. It's usually some classic rock type stuff, as you can yeah. imagine. And they're doing like some really athletic, skilled stuff. And you're like, holy shit, you know? It's incredible. It's a lot of dancers become strippers because of that. I took a pole dancing class when I lived here. I was going through a breakup. Um, and you would be surprised how not soon you use a pole. Like a lot of it's just a workout to get your core good. And I was like, if I wanted to thrust and do crunches, I'd have do that, done that at home, uh, five of them at home and ate a cookie. I'm here to strip and I never touched a pole. You want to do like some fireman stuff, right? Yeah. I want you to show me. Oh, actually I did work with the pole a little bit, but I, I want to show me how to get up there. That's what I want. They, you got to like powder your thighs, I think, because they like burn your thighs, those poles. Really? At least the ones in gym class were. This grade school I went to had these long poles that you had to like climb up and they, they nice big yawn. So <laughs> they gave me like boring. a funny feeling. I know. I'm so just, sorry. No, you're, no. You tell Wait. your stupid pole story. No, the fact that you, it made me laugh and then I yawned. I don't know what happened. Like I've had that happen. Both of them. By um, the way, I take no offense to a yawn. Some people think yawn. Uh oh, we're frozen again. Very. You're back. I just we disappeared for a split second there. Yeah, you did too. Okay, you said you don't take offense to yawning. I don't. I don't know why people do. I think that's like a weird insecurity on their own behalf. Um, yeah. So tell the gym story. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was it. You go up a pole and it feels weird. It hurts your thighs <laughs> a little bit. I remember hearing my little eight-year-old thighs being like, oh, man, this pole sucks. We got to climb all the way to the top of this. This is stupid. Can we just run laps? Can we play ba- There's a basketball hoop right there. Can we just play basketball? Gym class was weird. Yeah. What Looking a shock back. that an Irish guy had sensitive skin. <laughs> you should see. My, so 
I mean, you've seen pictures of him, but my son, Matthew, he is clear. It's he's is so, he? oh my God, he's so white. And I was like Can't that too. There's, one. there's just no mistaking. That's my son, you know, and Dylan's yeah. pale. I mean, he's white, but Dylan's definitely like a couple shades darker. Um, <laughs> it's just God, those two are wild right now. They're probably missing the hell out of me. This is their first day. They haven't seen me since Aww. March 7th of 2020. That was the last time I was on the road doing comedy. Or they're smoking cigarettes, feeling great. Just real released from the separation. <laughs> I don't think I'd be all that upset, you know, because I always say I say you're born cool as fuck because Matthew, when he was like a baby, would sleep with his hands behind his head like this. Like yeah. The Fonz. That's how you sleep as a three month. I have a, a picture of him and I, I believe Matthew's your first one, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck that up. Uh, there's a picture of him and I when I first met him when you lived here and he was chill. He was just a chill kid. He's getting old enough now where I was watching TV and Chris Red came on in a commercial and I said, Hey, you see that guy? He held you when you were a baby. And he was just kind of like, Why? And I'm like, That's one of daddy's friends. And he was over at the house. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, cool. And then um, I think Mo Welch was on something like I, I maybe I caught like her Comedy Central set or Conan set. And I said, She held you as a baby too. And then we were watching um, her wife, Sam, writes for Henry Danger, Nickelodeon show that we were watching. And yeah. so I'm starting to tell him like, oh, yeah, daddy has friends who do these things. And I go, and daddy does this stuff, too. And <laughs> yeah, just, I think he want. I think he has the side of me that's more of a performer, because when we watch movies, he wants to reenact them. I love it. Yeah, I've got a video on my phone. Um, maybe I'll put on the Patreon as a little motivation, everyone from Christmas time where we're reenacting home alone. Cause I showed him home alone, which maybe he was too young to see, but obsessed with it. And you know, the, where he's like zip lining at, mm -hmm. you know, from into the treehouse. in that, when that scene's on the TV, I'm like holding him as if he's zip lining and he's pretending with like a coat hanger in his hand. he loves to like <laughs> act out the stuff he sees on TV where Dylan has the side of me. That's like, let's fuck shit up. You know? <laughs> yeah, the reckless side of Joe Kilgallen. Yes, the table flipping at his wedding, Joe Kilgallen. Yes, Renee was at my wedding. Everybody, were you there for the table flip though? Were you nearby? Yeah. I can't remember who was near. I can't remember who was close to me when the table got flipped. Um, I we weren't. I wasn't close, but I was definitely. It was right outside the the ballroom. Yes, and it was. We saw it. We everyone knew about it. <laughs> it was more like I tipped it over. People act like I flipped it. It's cooler if you flipped it. Do you want to be someone's like, Bleh. don't you want to be like Bleh, in the story? <laughs> no, you're right. You're <laughs> Do you want to be like, right. I don't want this. This is probably how it went versus going, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> Do you remember why I flipped it? It was about a song. I had a do not playlist songs that could not be played. <laughs> And two songs that were on the do not playlist, they got played. And when I heard the second one, I was like, this is bullshit. Well, no, the DJ pissed me off that whole, when we, we, he came highly recommended. We'd seen him at other weddings we'd been to, and he was great at those week leading up to our wedding. I'm sending him a few messages. Remember Nicole isn't my wife's a world-class Irish dancer. And so were a lot of her yes. friends. They so played cool. an Irish dance song that was 30 seconds long. I, we had sent him the one to play and I'd sent him my must play and do not playlist. The whole week leading up to the wedding, I could barely get a hold of him. And I remember like day of, he was like, oh, no, I got it all. I got everything you sent. I'm like, oh, cool. Great. And, I, and he was like, sorry, we were, I was on vacation this past week. 
And in my brain, I'm like, dude, you're a fucking wedding DJ. July is not when you take a vacation. Right. You take your vacation right. in fucking December or November when people don't get married. I just. Yeah. It annoyed I me. used to dance for a DJ company for bar and bat mitzvahs and weddings. I used to be an interactive dancer and I helped to run the company, the, the office. And that's why now when people get DJs and stuff, I help do the itinerary. If I'm in the wedding, I like, I'll do your itinerary for you. Like Emily, Maya Mills and Christian DeGay, I did their itinerary for them. And I was like, I can talk to the DJ if you want, because DJs should, first of all, clients shouldn't be going, here's my playlist. If it's a good DJ, a DJ should be able to read your wedding and know exactly what to play. If there are songs that you don't want, then that is something that should be asked and honored. And if more than 20 people have requested it, then he should have found you and said, hey, a lot of your guests are requesting this song. Are you okay if I play it? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I, I do agree with you. A good DJ doesn't need a playlist. They could get the feel, you know. They um, should be able to. Yes. The do not playlist was because I have friends who know I hate songs and they would purposely get them played just to see my reaction. What were the songs? One what was, was the um, song that set you off? Uh, I think it was Journey, Don't Stop Believing, which I really, no, that didn't get played. No, it was Moves Like Jagger, which I really fucking hated that. I just, <laughs> that song was so overplayed and I hated it. And I thought, I really think Adam, whatever his name is, maybe you know him, you probably worked with him. I think he's overrated, handsome man, nope. but overrated. And the other one was Nicki Minaj, Starships, which I now kind of like. Um, but at the time, no, the chorus is really good. I yeah. don't like her rapping. And I got into an argument once with someone about her rapping. I said, I like the one song, but when she starts being like the beach, beach, grab a Bud Light. I'm just like, oh, I just think she's should stick to the singing part because she isn't a good rapper, in my opinion. And then I got into such a heated exchange with this person that I hated that song for two years. And I remember being like, I don't want that song on there. And then the movie Pitch Perfect came out and they like run around to that song when they're like working out, getting ready for finals. And then I started to like the song again. So it's kind of yeah. funny that I lost it to that one. But I think it was moves like Jagger out. that flipped the table. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense though. That song's so annoying. It's just, it was a bad song and everyone tried to dance like Mick Jagger, which, which is like, look, those dance moves barely work for him. <laughs> and look, I, Mick Jagger, Rolling Stones, great band. He's a great front man, but it's, I don't want to see a bunch of people doing elbows out fucking that dance move. You know, I just, I didn't want to see it and he fucking played it and it really pissed me off. I get um, it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I did want to add to what you said earlier about how we need to have some sort of way to what's not, what's not the word forgive, but when people fuck up on the internet and do dumb things, um, reform. reform, that's the word I was looking for. Um, because I, I think to myself, I see all this anger and a lot of the anger is justified, but I think I go, where is the needle being moved? Um, you know, I see on Facebook memories, I, I'll, I'll go on Facebook, I think just for Facebook memories, where the, where I'll see me posting in 2013 about fake news and me posting in 2016 where it's like, hey, this isn't the way to win an election. We're all just trashing each other and nothing has changed. I'm not saying I'm any kind of profit, but if someone as dumb as me can notice a pattern, I, I, I just think to myself, You're I'm like- dumb. 
Well, no, I know, but like, I'm not as astute with that kind of stuff. I feel like I should research more before I open my mouth. It's just, it's one of those things where I, I don't know, are we advancing or are we just all obsessed with, I remember seeing someone on Twitter once go, oh, I saw this person hashtagging and I thought, oh no, I like them. Am I going to have to cancel them? And that's like, no, they were hashtagging because it was like the anniversary of some movie they did 20 years ago. I can't remember what the hell it was, but why yeah. did you think the worst where people are training themselves to think the worst? It's, it's too much. I honestly, I feel like in a lot of ways, not in all ways, the pandemic, the pandemic, the the stay at home order, the, the thing that made us all stop and pause, I think this hopefully is helping. Yeah. Like, I feel like it, it helped take a minute for all of us to actually have to not hustle. We didn't have to do anything because there was nothing to do, right? Like, oh, we're just fucking at home. And then it got old to be on your phone. And then you're watching all the TV and like you're with who you're with and you're taking a minute and you're reflecting. I think it was getting to, it was all coming to a head in a weird way. And I mean, obviously like, Lindsay, Aaron Weaver and I are all very similar where we're like crystals, universe, things happen for a reason. And I truly, truly, truly think this all happened so that we could all take a minute because no one was connecting ever on a human level for the last couple of years. Everyone was like about followers. It's about cancel culture. It's about who's who, who do you have to boycott now? Who's the number one person to look at because they have the most Instagram followers? That is what our world was becoming. And then all of a sudden you had to stay home. <laughs> it did. I, I told the people who got stressed out about it. I'm like, it feels like we're all grounded at the same time. Um, I the second, yeah, you know, part of me did <laughs> the first wave. Um, yeah. The second wave knocked me on my ass and it was very stressful and very difficult and it sucked. Um, but the first wave, I remember the first few months being like, this is great. We all can have this time out and yeah, it sucks. We can't all get together, but maybe we could just chill and recharge and get a little self-reflection and you're right. Things did get old. I I'm, I really wish you would have mentioned that crystals thing earlier because uh, we're a little over an hour in and I don't want to hold uh, you too long because you already yawned. I didn't know you were, <laughs> well, I didn't know you were into crystals. I know Aaron Weaver was, um, I don't know anything about the crystals. I have right. become, I've become a pretty big law of attraction guy. Yeah. But I don't want Can you explain what the crystals, what's the thing behind crystals? So, you know, I mean, if you're Catholic, which we both are uh, practicing or not, we grew up Catholic. Yes. It's a, it's a lot like, I feel like what the saints are to Catholicism, right? The saint, the saint of selling your house, the saint of money attraction, the saint, like if you're putting it in layman's terms, right? It's like sure. Saint Bernadine. Oh, that sells your house, you know, bury him upside down and you'll get your house sold. And that's, you know what I'm saying? By the I way, like I only heard that one for the first time a couple of years ago. I didn't know what the fuck that was. I only I, just heard that for those of you who don't know, there's like a Catholic thing. I had a friend who put his house on the market on Facebook and people were commenting, bury a St. Bernadine statue or something. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Anyway, sorry, Renee, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no. And you burn it up. You bury it upside down. And nine times out of 10, they're selling their house very shortly after. But I think the thing is, is it's our mindset. And you brought up law of attraction. It's like, okay, this crystal is a rose quartz, right? It's 
got the energy of bringing in love, bringing in this. It's very, to me, crystals are very similar to the saints, right? So it's one crystal type does one thing. They all have their own purpose and they're all from the earth, right? They're all from the world. They're not man-made. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know much about it to like educate anyone on, but that's what I like to compare it to because I think it's the belief you put into it. Like, because that is law of attraction. So if I go, okay, this crystal, this crystal is, you know, I charged it under the moon. It's going to bring me love. And then I put it in my pot, like put it in my purse and I forget about it. Most likely things will go that way because I've released the worry and negativity around the lack of it, you know, which is what law of attraction is. Yes. Is that you, you got to let it go and not harp on it and always have the thought that things are good. You know, when I first got my writing, first writing job, Joe, I was waiting tables. I worked at the same company since I moved to Chicago and it was Hillstone, which is Houston's and these great, great restaurants, great steaks. And I, I remember I was meditating quite a bit. I started reading law of attraction stuff. I was going through a breakup there, you know, just everything kind of changed and I knew meditating was going to help. I was obviously still doing stand up, So obviously that helps. Um, I remember I was like, I wrote down, I want to get a writing job so that I can collect unemployment in between seasons and not wait tape, like not bartend anymore. That was it. And I remember going to work the next day and I was putting ketchup in a bullet and I audibly, and I'm very good at my jobs. Like I'm very usually peppy and whatever. And I remember pouring ketchup in the bullet and going, I can't do this anymore. And immediately going, you can't say that. You have to realize that you have to be grateful for this thing so that other things come. And the minute I said that, I, I was like, don't do that again. Came in every day. Hey, guys. Two weeks later, I was seen at the comedy store by one of the EPs of Ridiculousness and asked to come in the next week. It's, you know, I tell, I've only just gotten into this stuff like the last two years or so. I was never into yeah. it in LA. Otherwise I probably would have been hanging out with you, Lindsay and uh, we from more talking about this stuff. Um, but I definitely, I think what turned me on to it was, it was actually my, on my way out of LA, one of my last weeks there, which was like 2017 or so, something like that. But it didn't really dawn on me until later. I had Roy Wood Jr., Hannibal, and um, Chris Williams, who was working on that show when I was on the CBS lot. And yeah. funny, I just named three black guys, but all three, <laughs> just popped in my head. Um, all three of them at one point when I was talking to them about stuff was like, well, only focus on what you can control. You can't control that. Just focus on, you know, because um, I think I just, Hannibal asked me how things were going. And I'd always, whenever anyone asked me how things were going, I was be like, great. But then something in my brain's like, maybe that's why no one's helping you because they all think you're doing wonderfully and you should be right. a little honest. So I was like, yeah, actually, dude, I've been frustrated because I have great sets, but no one's there to see them. You know, I kind of moved from Chicago to LA to get a manager or an agent and I'm doing the right things, but you know, I'm, it's like when a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? That's how I feel right now. I'm like, I'm yeah. being funny, but no one's seeing it. So what's the point? And then he was like, well, you can't control that shit, dude. You got to just put all your energy into things you could control. You could, you could focus on doing this, 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 these are all things in your grasp. You, how can you make someone be in the crowd? I'm like, oh yeah. You know, and obviously Hannibal knows what he's doing. And then, um, and then, you know, so I started reading more about like law of attraction stuff and all that. And the thing that really got me that 
because there are people when you tell them this, they think, what is this voodoo? You know, um, I go There's certain people you can't talk to, about it. you can't. Right. And I go, it's a mindset thing. I go, if you wake up or I use this analogy, it's a better one because I could do the Monday morning waking up thing. But if you go into a party thinking this party is going to suck, it's probably going to suck. Right. Suck. Um, yeah. But as far as what you're saying. Oh, no, you froze on me. There you go. But as far as what did I freeze? Yeah. <laughs> as I far as what you're saying, it'd be good if we just kept fucking with each other, freeze framing ourselves. I struggle with the letting go part. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll like write down what I, you know, what I want to accomplish and like, and you know, I got to remind myself gratitude every day and all that kind of stuff. But the part of like letting it go and, and just believing that because there have been things that I, I put plans into place and they've worked. And I feel like the law of attraction is like, you write that down and you focus on that and it just becomes clear and um, you almost get like a tunnel vision towards it. And I don't understand why anyone could think that that doesn't work. Um, well, you have to get tunnel vision in a way that is a, you have to already act like it's happened. Yes. With your is, energy. Um, here's something you should do every morning. Try it for, and I used to make Marty do this um, because I do it and I haven't done it in a while and it's clear, but it's super easy. Every morning, invite five things in that you want to see in the day. And it can be like, hey, today I want to see romance, creativity, abundance, joy, and pick something else. And you will see it start showing up in the day. Just every morning, wake up. You don't have to say it out loud. You can say it in your head. Do five things that would be something you'd notice, right? You get an audition. That's abundance. Creativity. You wrote a joke. Like, it's little things, but you say these things, and it kind of, like, kicks off your good energy for the day. I like that. Okay. I'm going I'm to yeah. try that. Do you think that it works because by saying it in the morning – your brain is then hyper aware of those things where if you didn't say that you might just be drifting apart through your day, not noticing these stuff. Uh, I think that we are all pretty clear when we wake up, right? When you wake up, when I wake up, I'm the most funny. Like I have the most, like I have the best ideas in the morning, right? If I wake up and I'm like, Oh, this boom, 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 boom. Like, the day you take on other people's shit throughout the entire day, you have two kids. So you're waking up and you're, you're in a routine that already exists. But if you sit in your bed and you just even let your palms hit, get some energy, just do this, ask for five things and forget about it. Go have your day that you always have. And you're going to start seeing that your energy feels lifted because you did that because it felt, it felt like you did something. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I'm, I'm going to try that. I've been meditating a little bit in the morning, not for like big periods of time, no. but, and it's helped me with patience throughout the day, you know, Great. Um, do both. Yeah. And I've, I've, so I'm guilty of doing it sometimes, but I try my best not to look at my phone for like the first half hour or so of the day. Yeah. It's very difficult. Um, I mean, I can check an email, but I mean, staying off of social media, staying off, whatever's going to influence, you know, like I, I'll catch myself. I'm like, why am I in such a bad mood today? I'm like, Oh, I'm pissed off about that thing I read and it's affecting yeah. my relationships with other people, you know, I'll have 100%. like, my, yeah. And then I feel it's, it's just not a good headspace to be in. Um, all right. So yeah, I okay. have, you okay. mentioned five things, which is interesting. I'm doing a segment I'd done before, but I'm kind of bringing back. I'm gonna call it five good ones or I ask five questions and, uh, we'll wrap up the podcast on this. Um, some okay. of these are quick answers from you. Some might be a little bit more loaded. 
What has been your favorite moment in your career? It's tough to pick one. I'm sorry. My favorite moment in my career is watching the lip sync battle stage rain on Tom Holland as he did Umbrella. That is one of the funniest, by the way, that his performance was amazing. And I, so I've got, I got really into the Marvel universe during Mm -hmm. this past year because I finally had the time to watch all the movies. I was so behind on all the Avengers movies. I'm I'm fucking nerding out. I love it all. And because of that on TikTok, I see Marvel videos a lot because I started liking the ones that popped up and that's TikTok's actually fun that way. They show you the shit you like, unlike all the, all the other ones. But there's yeah. a great one. It's like a scene from uh, the Avengers movie Civil War where they're all like in a conference looking up at a TV and someone put the TV on of the Tom Holland performance. So it's like they're <laughs> and they're all looking at each other like and, and, and like, you know, it's all like Elizabeth Olsen. It's every other all the actors. Yeah. They're like watching Tom Holland do the lip sync battle performance. I'm uh, going to find the video and send it to you because the editing is so good. You'll love so, it. So, Joe, just to answer your question. That is what I did on the show. I helped create those performances. So, is Tom Holland cool? He's amazing. I love this. He's the sweetest. And he was secretly dating Zendaya, and we were not supposed to know. It wasn't out there yet, but they were secretly dating when they did our show. They stayed for our after party because it was our final show of the season. That's so My cool. brother... My brother, John Paul, had just moved back to L.A. with his wife and two kids. He came to Lip Sync Battle. Uh, I got him a VIP thing. He was sitting next to Mary J. Blige. And uh, Tom Holland and Zendaya came and watched the second show because we shot two. And um, he said he was so nice that he just talked to him and, like, just a regular guy. And I was like, yeah, he's a kid. Like, he's. I, just so you know, amazing. now you know what I did. Well, there you go. It goes full circle. I'm I'm very, um, I think I would, anyone in that Marvel universe, you were talking about how you got starstruck with, with JoJo. Yeah. I've, I've never gotten starstruck, really. I don't think. Maybe there's an example. But, um, oh, Carrie Wood, the pitcher, I almost did. I was like, that's fucking Carrie Wood. Uh, but I feel like anyone in that Marvel world, Tom Holland, even though I feel like he's like five, five, I feel like, you know what I mean? Um, he's short guy. I only bring up, not that height matters, but it's hard to get starstruck when you're a foot taller than someone, you know? Yeah. Looking down like, hello like I, little. I remember when I met Robin Williams, I remember being like, that's Robin Williams. And then I went to shake his hand. And I'm like, I wanted to be like, ah, fucking Robin Williams. Get over here. You know, put him in yeah, a noogie. Get on my back. Yeah. Um, what's your next question? Sorry. Next question is, uh, I don't believe you drink anymore. So maybe this question's outdated, but drunk food, what's your favorite drunk food? Um, so just to be clear, I've never, I, I drink, I just have always been this type of drinker. So I've never like stopped drinking or anything. I've always okay. been a one, one glass of wine. I'm drunk girl. Cause I don't love liquor. Um, like I don't love booze, but I drink. I was um, pretty sure you drank, but I, I couldn't remember, you know, you hang out with Lindsay and she's a buzzkill. So <laughs> I'm just fucking around. I love yeah, Lindsay. But you know, I dated a lot of alcoholics, so I go both ways. I'm very balanced. Um, I, uh, my favorite drunk food was always pizza. And now you or live in LA where the pizza's garbage. Um, garbage. There's some good pizza spots, but yeah, it's not very good. All right. Well, this is a funny one. A celebrity, a dead celebrity that you'd want to party with. They got to be someone who's dead. And it could be a historical figure. It doesn't have to be like a celebrity. It could be whoever you yeah. want, but dead. Um, 
I'm trying to think. I was going to say one thing, and then I was like, that's weird. Brittany Murphy. Eight Mile and Clueless. Yeah. There you go. I like that one. Yeah. If uh, you could have any job, if if you weren't in the field of entertainment, what would you be doing for a living? I would own a children's bookstore. Holy shit. Do you, Alfair, I got to talk to you about this. I just, I just finished a first draft of a children's book. Oh, did you really? I swear to God, I, 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 I wrote a children's book. Well, by the way, first children's books aren't hard to write. Cause it's like, you know, 12 pages or something, yeah. but I mean, there's difficulty in it. I'm just, it's, I yeah. didn't, I wrote a 115 page screenplay. I felt more accomplished than after I wrote the children's book, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it's a different feeling. I'm sure I should, I'll send it to you. You could give it a read. It'll Thank take you. you. 75 seconds. <laughs> yeah, send um, it for sure. But I, I I remember watching You've Got Mail and loving her children's bookstore, her bookstore. But like, I just love the idea that kids come in and you read them a story and there's like this whole like energy on a Saturday afternoon and you can decorate and <laughs> it's so dumb. No, it's cool. I like going into the children's section of like a Barnes and Noble. It's, yeah. It's kind of fun. I gotcha. All right. There's an autobiography of your life, a movie. Who plays you in the movie of your life? Emma Stone. Emma Stone's a good one because she's got similar hair to you. Um, she looks good with black hair too. I've seen her with dark hair. We had the same haircut and color when she did Super Bad, and everyone was like, "You look like Emma Stone." If I did a reface app with Emma Stone from Crazy Stupid Love, and it looked almost identical. That's an underrated flick. It's a good, it's a good movie. She just is more of a nostril actress than I am. She's more like, like her teeth are. Yeah, she does do a little bit of that, doesn't she? I'm an Emma Stone fan. Me too. Yeah, but that's the one that. I get most uh, that I look like. Like that, I remind them we just have a similar voice tone or whatever. I don't see it, but that's who would play me. That's even though awesome. I don't want to give her another job. No, she's works enough. So maybe you could play yourself then. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll keep doing that way. Well, Renee, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, did you want to play Fuck, Mary Kill? Yeah, uh, obviously. You got time for Fuck, Mary Kill? I, I feel bad because I told you now when we're like an hour, 15, 20 minutes in now. Um, I feel bad. This doesn't, is this a fun conversation? Because I feel like I'm being so serious. So I'm sorry. No, I like the balance though, because, yeah. you know, the, podcast started as the idea of being like whatever you talk about with your friends at a bar I, it was yeah. originally called kill gallons pub and then i renamed it just for easier google search if you're looking up my shit um right yeah you gotta streamline these things these days and i i like to bounce from t complaining about hotel room breakfast <laughs> to being like you know what the b2 movement did a lot of good but then let's chill out no i'm kidding uh but you know okay. what i'm saying um yes so Fuck yeah no very kill very fun. All right. Fuck Mary Kill. Because you're such a, I always think you're such a Chicago woman. I wanted to do Chicago celebrities. Okay. And the first one I only picked because I, uh, I did Zanies a week ago and I drove past Old Town Pub. And um, the last time I drove past Old Town Pub, I'd seen this actor walk out of it. And that's Michael Shannon. So Michael Shannon's okay. your first one. Okay. Also an eight mile. I mentioned, you mentioned Brittany Murphy. Uh, so they know, maybe they know each other. They knew each other. Uh, yeah. The next one, you can't get more Chicago than Michael Jordan. So yeah. even though he's not from there, he's an icon in our uh, hometown. And then um, Harrison Ford, hmm. who uh, grew up in Park Ridge, where I know you have some connection to, which is a suburb that borders family, the city's yeah. northwest side. Yeah. 
So who yeah, would you fuck, like, Mary kill out of those three? Okay. This is hard. I've met, my, I worked with Michael Shannon on Lip Sync Battle and as, as quirky as he is, is as cool as he is. I think I would marry Michael Shannon, which might be a weird. Well, that's good because you could also have sex with him if you wanted. Yeah, sure. Uh, I would kill Harrison Ford just because that earring. And uh, I would obviously fuck Michael Jordan. No disrespect to him. Of course, I'd marry him too. I could have him. I could have two husbands if I wanted, but I feel like that would be a good story to tell. I mean, he is the greatest of all time. So I feel like you can't go wrong with marry or fuck. Yeah, but his eyes were like kind of bugging me out when uh, during Last Dance. So I was yeah. just like, I don't know if I could look at that every day, but I could definitely turn off the lights and enjoy his body. So he's still in great shape for a man in his fifties. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I I'm worried about him. I remember watching the Last Dance; his eyes were getting yellow, and that's like jaundice. I'm like. Has he become an alcoholic since he's retired? Because he was so obsessed with basketball yeah. that people even joke saying he's probably going to try to make a comeback in his fifties because he was just such a you know basketball sociopath basically. It was amazing. That maybe he turned to alcohol to cope with not being able to play. Yeah, I mean, it literally, could be anything. He could have just internal issues. That's true too. I hope. Like he, yeah. Oh, you froze. It's not me. Also 80 years old now, so it's not like he hasn't lived a great life. It, it sucks to want to kill the fugitive and Han Solo. I know, I know, I know. He keeps crashing planes, so I think we know how he's going to go down. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. All right, Renee, you have been absolutely amazing. Um, I'm like rubbing yeah. my eyes, too. We're both like tired adults right now. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Tell everyone where they could like follow you. Oh, you can follow me at Instagram and Twitter, both at eight and at Nene Guter. I feel like I just like stroked out um, at Nene Guter, N-E-N-E-G-O-O-T-E-R. I'm very fun. Um, You're great on Instagram. Thank you so much for asking me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was really fun to just even see you and talk to you. Yes. When I end the broadcast, we'll still be able to talk, So, but it won't be recorded. Okay. I wanna... <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much, Renee. You're the best. Cheers, everyone. Thank you.